Hi, this is Sam Crannell from Lloyd Martin on top of Queen Anne, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show, number 1505. It's May, and like every spring, new things are coming up, especially in the culinary world. And that's a good sign, I think. People must feel like they can take a risk or they've got the best new idea. And that's good for all of us, fun new things to check out. So a couple of um, pretty major things that are just happened are coming up soon. Um, in late April, the Dunbar Room opened at the Sorrento Hotel, taking the place of the Hunt Club. They've been, as a hotel, going undergoing a whole new concept of what they want to be, keeping some traditions, luring in new customers. You know, when you're over 100, you got to be proud of that. I was going to say, the Hunt Club has quite the history behind it. Oh, yeah. And actually, the Dunbar Room was the name of the restaurant at the hotel in the early 60s. So, you know, they're updating somewhat. Um, their new head chef is Seth Caswell, and he's joined by Jared Meisler, who's a hospitality specialist, and the food focus is going to be on Washington and the Pacific Northwest. Cocktails are a modern look at the classics, and it's a bar and a restaurant where, if I'm recalling correctly, the Hunt Club didn't actually have a bar in it, did it? Or did it? No, the bar was out in the lobby, wasn't it? You know, isn't that funny? When something's gone, it's gone. But um, well, that's where I remember drinking. Yeah, well, and you would remember that, so I'm I'm going with that. Amazingly, one time I remember drinking. <laughs> Just that one time at the Sorrento Hotel. It was a good night. Um, also, for those who love Kevin and Teresa Davis's Steelhead Diner and Blue Acre Seafood, there couldn't be better news than their new concept, Orfeo, which is going into the old Brasa space. And you know, Tom and I were just walking by there about a month ago, and kind of mourning. Brasa, and what a beautiful interior it was. I loved that place. So I'm really excited that, that two of my favorite people are going in there into one of my favorite spaces. Do we know what an Orfeo is yet? You know, we do, and I can't repeat it. It's uh, like, there's two things. It's Greek mythology, and it's also a character in something, and I'm going to have to go look that up again. So will they be having, like, shawarmas there and no. euros? I have, actually, I shouldn't say no. I have no idea yet. Mm. They are keeping it, kind of playing it close to the vest at this point. They're looking to open in August. Um, and if you know Kevin, you know that it will happen. When he opened Steelhead Diner as his first own restaurant, not that he hadn't opened others for other people, but it was his first restaurant, and he said, we're going to open, and he had a day. And they opened on that day. That never happens. I so, remember that, yeah. Um, and that happened with uh, Blue Acre as well. It did, actually, yes. So they're... They, you know, are operationally in charge. Another big one that's coming up because of the history of it all is Helen Coleman, or Ms. Helen, as many people know her. She is coming out of retirement to open Ms. Helen's Soul Food Bistro in the fall at 2801 East Union. She will offer soul food, but she's also doing things like Taco Tuesdays and Throwback Thursdays, so you might get 
tuna casserole or something. So for those of us who don't remember who Ms. Helen is, tell us who she was or is. She has had, uh, oh boy, I think it was Miss Helen's Soul Food Cafe. She has had two other places in the Central District. She's a longtime restaurateur in the area and and when she retired. And her daughter cooked with her, too. She was always part of the equation. So they were a, a big deal in Seattle in the Soul Food Central District area. And it was sort of sad when she retired. And her daughter, I was thinking she had moved away to, like, Portland or something. But she will be back, and, and they're cooking together. They'll hire a few other chefs as well. They are planning a musical fundraiser to bring in some opening capital. And they, I think I mentioned, are looking to open in the fall. And then, Tom, you have some news of an upcoming change. Well, it looks like the uh, Burrito Loco up on Holman Road is uh, all papered up with a sign in the window that says, Coming soon, tacos and beer. So I uh, don't know uh, just what's going to happen there. If the name of the place is Tacos and Beer, I'm assuming they will be serving tacos and beer. You can only hope. But uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that and see what's happening. And then uh, when we know more, we'll tweet it up on our News Bites feed. It'll be interesting to know if it's the same people and they're just doing a different concept or if they've sold off or given up the lease or something. Do not know. Do not know that one. So uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at some other upcoming items from News Bites on Seattle Dining. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Alexandria Nicole Sellers, wines of approachable elegance with tasting rooms in Prosser and Woodenville. Hi, my name's Alan, and I live in Seattle, and I love going to Poppy Seattle Restaurant and eating the eggplant fries. We're back. Before we head into our News Bites talk, I wanted to mention that we've got two guests coming up today. One of them is Donna Cafaso from San Pellegrino, and she will be talking about the waters that she shares with everyone in the Pacific Northwest region. We are also going to be talking with Larry from Queen Anne Olive Oil Company, and he's got some interesting things to tell us, too. But right now, we're going to go off into our News Bites look at some things coming up. One of the one of the big things, and Tom, this is big for you because you love Mexican food so much. But um, Agave Cocina and Cantina is opening in Kent Station in May this very month. Mm, that's going to be their fourth store. Well, interestingly, it's two brothers, Federico and Julian, and for some unknown reason, they had Issaquah and Redmond, and they chose to split up. So Federico now has Issaquah and the Queen Anne location on Republican, and Julian has the Redmond one, and he is opening in Kent okay. Station. So it is four. It is the same family, but they're being run totally separately. So kind of like uh, Tacos Cuemas and uh, even as far back as that Indian place that was had three stores around Seattle. I don't think they do anymore. But. No, and those were actually uh, – not family and separately on uh, Guaymas's family, of course. But another thing that I think is really sort of interesting 
is that Providence Hotels, which is out of Portland, has decided that they are getting rid of all their big brand spirits and they're doing locally owned uh, and made spirits at their hotels. So in Seattle, it's Hotel 1000 and Hotel Max, and they're using Sun Liquor. And in Portland, it's Hotel Lucia and the Deluxe and the Sentinel, and they are using two. It's Eastside Distilling and Dogwood Distilling. So I think that's a an interesting thing that somebody who's a pretty big player is going totally local in two cities. Yeah, I like that. I've I've been enjoying a lot of the local spirits when I go out and not buying the, the big name Seagram things and all that. It's funny, isn't it? It's almost disappointing when you go in and they don't have anything local. You're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that Crater Lake. That's mm-hmm. good vodka and and. And where's uh, that made? That's uh, down in Oregon. Okay. Down outside of Sisters, there they have yeah. their their plant there, their distillery, and then uh, I always like the uh, dry fly products. Those mm-hmm. are nice. Yeah, you know another one that we've really enjoyed is the Batch Two Hundred Six, and they're right down on Elliott. Oh yeah, yeah, we have that when we go over to the Paragon, huh? Yeah. Um, another big thing is Casper Donier. We have known for a while that they sold their property on Lower Queen Anne, where they've got their events and catering place. But he was being very mum about what was going on, and the press releases come out, and they bought the old villa restaurant in Magnolia, 3656 34th Avenue, and then they have leased the property, the building across the street from it. And, Tom, you said you knew what was in – oh, it was the old Bill the Butcher, you thought. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to make the the old restaurant their event space, and they can have parties up to 70 people and – It's got a nice big commercial kitchen, but across the street is going to be their company warehouse. So they're going to have everything pretty much, you know, right there across the street from each other. Well, he's he's got a lot going on. You know, I thought maybe he'd sell that building and they just sort of retire. Yeah, but uh, that has not been the case at all. They're workers. He's gonna he's going to be making that potato cocktail for many many people. (laughs) Yes, and we can only hope that he will be back at Cooking with Class next year because he couldn't come this year with all these changes going on. Another new thing coming up is Naka, and it is a, uh, I believe it's Kaiseki restaurant, and it's going in at 1449 East Pine Street on Capitol Hill. It's the Old Bistro Le Zinc, and they're the people who own, I believe, Maximilian's at the market. I'm I'm sorry that that didn't work. I was in there one night, and it was really a, a, a kind of a fun place, relaxing, New things come on. And this is Shota Nakajima who's doing it. And he has an interesting background. He's um, He attended the, I'm not going to say this right, Suji Culinary Arts School in Japan, although he grew up in Bellevue. He's worked at Sushi Kapo Tamura, which has a very good reputation. After that, he started his own catering business, Kapo Kitchen. Um, and Jason Locke, who is um, going to be the managing partner, kind of the operator, Triple Door, he helped open Miller's Guild and Bell and Wheat. So I think they're going to be a dynamic duo there. Then now, there's, now, what do you know about this Hellbent Brewing Company opening up? What do I know about that? This I, is the place that's opening up on Lake City Way. And I, at first, I thought it was taking over the uh, Elliott Brewing Company spot. But I did my homework on this and found out it's, it's like five blocks, five blocks up. Oh, okay. So now you'll have two different 
brewing companies, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of brewing places going in right now. So I'm trying to think. I thought I had some place where Brian Young, who is the brewer. It's four people who are partnering on this. So Brian Young worked for Red Hook mm. and Rock Bottom and Gordon Biersch. I don't know about the other people. Yeah. I just know what I'm reading here in News Bites. Yeah. You know, another brewing thing that um, everybody will sort of smile and nod knowingly is that Dick from the Elysian, one of the starters of Elysian, mm -hmm. has already resigned since um, Anheuser-Busch bought it. You know how they said, oh, nothing's going to change. Oh, yeah. It's That's what they said. always say. And within a month, he was like, I'm out of here. I'm a craft brewer. That's what it is. So you know <laughs> that was the whole thing and that was going to happen anyway. Let's see. There's a Salted Sea Seafood and Raw Bar, American Seafood, coming into Columbia City. And I believe that is happening in July. It's due to open in July. It's the old Angie's Tavern, and they're looking at doing modern American seafood with a French and Vietnamese influence. That ought to be interesting. And I haven't confirmed this one, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Z Pizza on Capitol Hill is supposedly closing, and they are saying it is because of the minimum wage law. This, this is a Zeke's Pizza? Z. Z. Z Pizza. This is a franchised uh, place out of Northern California, and they're the ones – we had some of their pizza and had some neighbors over one time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, that. That was Z Pizza. And they do a lot of uh, – you know, it's the seasonal organic local kind of stuff and it's pizza and it's supposed to be better for you and everything and it was, there was nothing you know wrong with it at all it's pretty good pizza but um i'm thinking it hasn't caught on and and this is the this is the key here for her for the franchisee because it's part of a larger company mm -hmm. she is considered a large restaurant and she has to come up with uh the 15 dollars an hour sooner because it's a big company, oh, and I actually, yeah. she has twelve employees. So yeah. um, I think maybe that little franchise problem is, you know, unfortunate. And she probably can't raise her prices because that's the way some franchises work. So mm -hmm. another one that I don't think you know about that you might be interested in is that Smarty Pants is going to open a second location. Oh, did not know that in Burien. And I say this that Tom will be interested because. They also own Hudson, but Smarty Pants is a kind of a the concept of motorcycling. And our other online magazine is Sound Rider Motorcycling in the Northwest. So this whole concept is about motorcycling, and they're already in Georgetown, and now they're going to go in Burien. And I, I'm told there's quite a bit of cruising of motorcycles now down in Burien on Saturday nights. Oh, really? <coughs> so that's uh, it, it, that'll just make it louder, I guess. Yeah. You know, another um, uh, thing, this will not surprise anybody because everything takes longer than it should, but the Marriott in Bellevue was redoing all their um, dining restaurant rooms and everything. I think it was May that they were shooting for, perhaps the end of May. They are now talking the end of June. So they've they've already put it off like two or three times. Well, see, so they don't have Kevin Davis working for them. You can exactly. tell that. Exactly. If he were in charge, they would have been open on the day in May they said they would be. I was uh, I was imbibing in a Euro the other day, and, and I heard some uh, chatter back and forth. And it uh, turns out Mr. Euros has now opened up a third location in Wallingford at the corner of 45th and Thackeray. 
across from Dick's. You can and, always use more Mr. Euros. Yeah, and hey, who doesn't like Dick's, huh? Exactly. Options. Let's see. Um, I don't think we talked about this last month. It kind of came out news-wise last month, but Elliott Bay Cafe, which has always been Tamara Murphy, is she's not redoing that lease up by the Elliott Bay Books. Uh-huh. But Linda Dershang, Ms. Capitol Hill, is taking it over, and she's going to call it Little Oddfellows because it's right by her Oddfellows place. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a little bit more of a coffee shop-esque kind of thing versus a, a whole restaurant. Beer, wine, no spirits. She's looking at maybe June for opening that. Hmm. I think that wraps it up. that wrap it up? How about yeah. uh, congratulations to uh, Salties for sweeping the 425 Magazine Awards. I have to love that. They're not even on the east side, and everybody on the east side voted them best restaurant, yeah. best lunch, best brunch. Hey, you guys in 425, go check out Seastar, huh? You want some good seafood over there? You get it right there <laughs> in your own neighborhood. You don't have to go to Salty's, but oh, uh, we, love Jerry we don't and, care. You can, go, you can go to them all. And we love Jerry and Kathy, so they deserve that. All righty. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're going to be right back with the calendar highlights for May in just a moment. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by The Fireside Restaurant, located at the resort at Port Ludlow. This is Louie with the Thirsty Fish on Crown Hill, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back with the Seattle Dining Show, and this leads us into the calendar portion of the show. And uh, we've got a lot going on. Of course, it's Mother's Day this month, so you know we're going to tell you a little bit about that. Connie, go ahead and tell us what's happening. All right. Um, We'll start a little bit before Mother's Day. On the 4th of May, May Restaurant, the Thai restaurant in Wallingford and the big old teak house that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They are giving a sneak peek of their summer menu with a three-course Thai pre-fee. It's going to be $37 tax and gratuity included. So you get to go in, have this three-course meal. They make all their sauces and curry paste from scratch. Kind of fun to go check that out. They get wine with that? It, I don't believe so. That would be a heck of a deal. With yeah, wine. that'd be a smoking deal. I'm thinking it's just the three-course. Also, out at Tulalip, they have a one of their relatively new concepts out there is the draft, sports bar and grill. I bet that was big yesterday when they were doing the NFL draft. Hey, there you go. Yeah. They are doing crafts in the draft, and that is on May 5th. You can um, enjoy and learn about four featured pours. They'll talk about the different nuances and flavors. Plus, it will be paired with a selection of scrumptious appetizers. I did not write that. In any case, um, it's uh, beers from Deschutes Brewery, and that Draft Sports Bar and Grill is located inside the Tulalip Resort Casino, and that's up in Marysville. It's $25, and I get all the beer and all the uh, snackage, huh? All the snackage. I like that. And Mm. then, 
if you want to stay a little longer and purchase more beer offerings, they're doing it at a special price of $3 a pint. And they're giving away swag, and they've got some prizes, too. That too, Layla, they're always doing something. They've got some good, some good uh, meal deals going on here. Mm-hmm. Another one that's really fun, and they're doing this, I believe, every Monday. I'm not sure how long they're going to do this, perhaps through the summer or something. Up at Fort Port Ludlow, the Fireside Restaurant, they do a Burgers and Burgundy every Wednesday. I said Monday. It's every Wednesday in May. So $21 includes a burger, a side, and a paired glass of wine. That's kind of fun. They, Port Ludlow always has something going on. Always a nice place to take a getaway that's near Seattle, but just far enough away you feel like you're on vacation. Exactly. And it's so pretty up there. Then, you know, we're heading into Mother's Day, as Tom mentioned, and everybody's doing something for Mother's Day. Uh, Ponty is doing their traditional Mother's Day thing, and that's always fun. And, of course, it's, you're sitting there looking out at the ship canal and the beautiful plantings all up and down the hill. So it's it's lovely. It's going to be $35 exclusive of beverage tax and gratuity, and that's from 10 to 2. And Ponty, if you don't know, is between Queen Anne and Fremont neighborhoods right by the Fremont Bridge. Fireside, we've talked about before, they're doing a Mother's Day brunch. And all moms will be given a special gift. We don't know what that is. We're not moms. Um, if you're not a mom yet, become one quickly so you can figure out what that special gift I is. No, sometimes it's just worth it, isn't it? <laughs> Dieter Schaefer is back in May. Uh, you know, I have to say there's a million Mother's Day things going on. I sort of hate to skip over and just do it too, but we couldn't do enough. Well, you know, if if you want to know more about the Mother's Day stuff, just go online to seattledining.com, click on the calendar, and you'll see all the listings that we have there. Yeah. As I was starting to say, Dieter Schaefer is back with another four-week wine class. This one is Guide to the Wide World of Wine. And I think if you know something about wine, you'll still learn something from Dieter, but I think this is a great way to sort of get some basics He's going to talk about old and new world wine. He's going to taste wines not often available. He's got wines produced from com from common and from unusual grape varieties. He's going to go over tasting techniques, wine vocabulary, a way to you know describe wines as you taste them, a little bit of history and geography of the regions, wine buying strategies, wine and food pairing guidelines, serving techniques and temperature hints for proper storing and aging. So I think it's a really good baseline for you. So that would be great. It's down at South Seattle College on 16th Avenue Southwest, May 12th through June 2nd. It's $123 per person, all fees included. Then we've got a wine dinner coming up at Pearl Bar and Dining out in Bellevue. This is with Chateau Saint-Michel. And I'm not sure... Yeah, it is Bob... Bob Berteau from Chateau Saint-Michel is their head winemaker. And, Tom, we we saw him. We were out with him at um, Salty's one night. Oh, yeah. And I did a story on him now, years ago. But he is actually a hilarious guy. He is so knowledgeable, and but fun to listen to, and he's always cracking jokes and involving people. It You know, when he's around, it's a fun time. Plus, it's going to be Brad Dickinson's food out at Pearl, and that's going to be great. So he's, um, let's see, what are we doing here? I don't know that we know what the theme is of this meal, but anyway, it's a wine dinner out at Pearl, $75, 
plus tax and gratuity, and it's a six-course meal with wine pairings. 75 is pretty reasonable for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, we're starting to see wine dinners get up in the $100, $125 range now, so to see a $75 wine dinner is a decent deal. Yeah. You know, I hate to just harp on Port Ludlow. We've been, this is our third time on the calendar, but on May 23rd, Chef Dan Radigan's doing a knife, knife skills class. And those are really wonderful because knife skills can up your game to no end. So if that's something you're interested in, that's happening on the 23rd. You can find more information about that. Doing a knife skills class is kind of like doing a uh, uh, driver's ed over again. Because when you, if you, if you were to go and take a driver's ed class today, what you'd find out is all the mistakes that you make when you're driving a car. And it works that way in in knife skills classes where you go in, you find out, gee, I, I've had so many opportunities now to cut my fingers off over the years. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> so if you've never taken a knife skills class, I, I always recommend people do it because you really learn a lot. And uh, you, know, you learn how to, how to make your food better, but you'll also learn how to protect yourself better too. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go into my last little item on the calendar. And if it isn't fireside again – um, but they have a very busy May, and I'm bringing this one up because I love Long Shadows Winery. And they are doing a winemaker dinner with Giles Nicole. He's served as director of winemaking and viticulture since Long Shadows' inception in 2003. So this is going to be a wonderful dinner. And, and you know, uh, Fireside and Chef, does they get everything locally on the peninsula, so... It's going to be a really great dinner. That's $95 plus taxes and fees. That's on the 29th of May. All right. So lots going on and uh, more than we can talk about here. Make sure you check it out online, seattledining.com. Com. Dot com, is that what you is said? It, yeah, dot com, dot com. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. SeattleDining.com and click on calendar. Uh, and we're going to be back with our first interview here in just a moment. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Andaluca, located in the Mayflower Hotel. Hi, this is Bruce and Carol, and we like to go to Bad Albert's in downtown Ballard for breakfast. This is Tom and Connie Adams, and we're back with the more of the Seattle Dining Show. Uh, we've got our next person we're doing an interview with here, and I'm going to let uh, Connie take over. Today, we're talking with Donna Cafasso of Nestle Waters, and that is a huge umbrella corporation. So tell us a little about the items that you market that are under that brand. So I'm with Nestle Waters North America, and I'm responsible for supporting all of our international brand waters into the Pacific Northwest. So all of Washington, all of Oregon uh, for the international brands and what we might consider um, a fine dining or restaurant capacity. And those brands include uh, our Italian brands of San Pellegrino, Aquapana, uh, San Pellegrino Sparkling Fruit Beverages, and then Perrier from France. 
Well, that's right. I always forget Perrier is yours too. Yes. So one of the things that people think about is that water in a restaurant in America is just something that comes. So we take that for granted, but why should people think about asking for a mineral water or a sparkling water like Aquapana or San Pellegrino instead of drinking tap water? Well, and I think you could definitely see that throughout Seattle is that tap water varies. Um, it could be based upon the municipality. It could be based upon uh, the dishwater ingredients. Um, it could be based upon the ice or whether or not the water's from a well. Um, or the age of the pipes. Yes, yes. There are some places where you can definitely tell the water tastes different. And so with a, a bottled water such as San Pellegrino or Aquapana, um, you get consistency every single time. And so you know exactly what you're tasting. There's no off taste to it. Um, and you really get a quality brand that has has so much behind it, a tradition, a history, and um, a real presence in the kind of dining community. There's also the issue of pairing. People don't mm-hmm. think about this, but mm-hmm. there's a, a background story on this. There is. There is. So San Pellegrino is our... Um, naturally carbonated mineral water. Um, and it has like a medium mineral content. It's not too salty. It's not um, salt-free. So it has this nice balance with sodium and phosphorus. And those kind of natural minerals actually enhance the flavors of your foods. For the same reason you might um, uh, decant your wine, um, that same kind of ability for the natural carbonation to blend with the minerals are actually going to enhance the flavors of your food. Um, for the same reason a sauce tastes beautiful over a steak, a holland days taste beautiful over your eggs. That's what the minerality and the natural carbonation of San Pellegrino does. It enhances the flavors of your food and your wine. And I'd have to say I have not found a dish soap yet that enhances the flavor (laughs) of my foods. (laughs) I think that's a valid thing to know. Mm -hmm. People don't really, I I don't know a lot of people who know that, that Mm -hmm. there is you know, a benefit, not, mm-hmm. it's just not a moneymaker for somebody. No. There's a reason to do it. Yes. And in fact, um, if you look at places like California, um, that's going through a drought, you're not going to be able to get a, a glass of tap water anymore. Um, it's actually, you're going to actually have a choice of either paying for tap water or using or ordering a bottled water. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't you choose something that is going to be guaranteed, um, quality, uh, every single time you, yeah. you order it and bring it to your table? You know, this is a little, off track, but a few minutes ago we were talking about what's happening in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Because I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of trends going through, whether it's um, whether it's in New York City and Manhattan, and they're reducing the size of beverages uh, that you can purchase, um, or even just a tax on a on a actual plastic or bottle uh, that you purchase. But what's happening in California and Berkeley specifically? Just found out about this recently. Is that they're actually taxing per ounce. Uh, a sugared beverage or a sugar-containing beverage. So the city of Berkeley, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm all for if somebody can correct me, but it's ten cents an ounce if you serve a sugared beverage. So that's what the restaurant gets taxed. And there are some restaurants who the tax for the day is $600 and that's a pretty hefty bill. And so a lot of restaurants and a lot of consumers, because they either don't want to pay that additional tax or the restaurant does not want to incur the taxes are choosing to do uh, more um, um, healthier choices such as bottled water. Yeah. And part of what you were talking about was that a hundred percent juice would not be taxed. Correct. But even tomato juice has sugar in it, mm-hmm. so it would be taxed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's pretty widespread. And so a lot of restaurant owners, a lot of general managers, uh, lead bartenders, they're really making a conscious effort every single day, whether we realize it or not, what to choose for their customers, the highest quality, the best product, the continuous. Um, so in San Pellegrino, Aquapana, Perrier, continue to bring those every single day to our restaurants. Yeah. Um, speaking of San Pellegrino again, the sparkling fruit beverages come in six flavors. And they are fabulous. Do you want to talk a little bit about those and, and why they're great on their own? Mm-hmm. Or- so the the sparkling fruit beverages currently right now in the United States come in six flavors. Uh, they come in cans and bottles. It just kind of depends on where you pick them up. Uh, the traditional, what I call the original two Italian sisters, are the limonata and arancia. So that's just the lemon and the orange. And then at the end of 2012 in the United States, we brought on pompelmo, which is a white grapefruit, and arancia rosa, which is the blood orange. And those are Love amazing. That. And then just recently, we brought on another two, which is clementina, a clementine, which is very different from arancia. Uh, even though you think it's, oh, it's all a mandarin, so to speak, clementina is very different. And then the last flavor is a melagrano irancha, which is a pomegranate. Mm. Oh. And there's they're two very different profiles, so to speak. Um, if you prefer those very romantic, sweet flavors of arancha, arancha rosa, you will love the melagrano, the pomegranate. But if you love that really tart, bright flavor, then you're probably going to want to choose the limonata, the pompelmo, or the clementina. Mm. So two very different profiles, kind of depending on what kind of person you are. Love that. Options. Always options. Um, Now, also, Aquapana and San Pellegrino are both Italian waters, one still, one sparkling. Are there other differences between those? And what about between those and other brands? Mm -hmm. So Aquapana is, uh, yes, our still water. It doesn't have a mineral content. And it comes from uh, just outside of uh, Florence. It was actually originally bottled by the Medici Medici family from the Renaissance. So it's been bottled since the 1560s. Pretty tried and true heritage. One of the most famed things that, that Italy is most proud of. People used to travel to Florence to see the art, but they also traveled to drink the water. Because if you lived someplace where you didn't have any water, you of course wanted to go where you could get drink the waters, feel their medicinal properties. Yeah. Um, San Pellegrino uh, is from just outside of Milan. It has a natural uh, carbonation. There's nothing artificially carbonated about it, where it blends directly with the um, natural mineral water. So right, at the, we bottle it right at the source where the natural carbonation meets the mineral water. So. Oh wow! And then Perrier uh, from the south of France. Uh, has a long history as well. Napoleon was the first one who wanted it to be bottled for the good of France. So, way to go, Napoleon, bringing <laughs> yeah. us all some more Perrier. Uh, but Perrier has a big, bright bubble and not very much mineral content. So it pairs best with spirits, things like vodkas, whiskeys, tequilas, where you don't want to change the flavor of that spirit, okay. but just give it a nice little refreshment, a nice little enhancement with that natural carbonation. So you get your whiskey and say you want a, uh, a Perrier back. Yes, correct. Ah. And there's there's some beautiful, uh, you know, great bars here in Seattle, such as Cannon, um, who serves Perrier with their cocktails, and um, they're noted as one of the best bar programs in you know the United States. So oh, wow. check out Cannon and, and their drinks with Perrier. Yeah. Excellent. The last thing I'm going to quiz you about today before we let mm-hmm. you go is where you can find these. Mm-hmm. What. Obviously, in restaurants, can you name a few restaurants? And then can you get this locally at stores as the average mm-hmm. person? Yes, absolutely. Yes, you don't have to be an Italian. You don't have to have a direct <laughs> direct hotline to Florence to get these. Uh, just on the top of Queen Anne here, it's Lloyd Martin. Uh, they carry everything. In fact, they make a couple cocktails with the sparkling fruit beverages. They're mm. delicious. And then um, uh, down, let's say down at the bottom of Queen Hill, we have... Uh, 
uh, Toulouse Petite. Um, you can get them at the Melting Pod, at Ten Mercer, um, every fine dining location, even the um, McCaw Hall. If you're out there seeing a show at McCaw Hall, you can pick up some of the sparkling fruit beverage. So just about anywhere. And then retail, every every restaurant, excuse me, every uh, grocery store, but even places like BevMo okay. um, carries them. Bartels has a great, great special going on right now with them. So. Oh, good. Young's Market? Yes, absolutely. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all this with us. I, I personally learned some things. Yes. Molto bene, grazie. <laughs> all right, we will take a short break and we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ponte Seafood Grill. Hi, this is Dan, manager of Bix Broadview Grill in beautiful North Seattle, and you're listening to Seattle Dining Show. So today we're lucky to have Larry Graham from Queen Anne Olive Oil Company with us. That's located at 1629 Queen Anne Avenue North on top of Queen Anne Hill. Larry, I want to get a little background from you. This is a family business, so tell me about the history you and your brother, Gary, have with the people who make the olive oils you sell, how it all got started, where where you were you were at the farmer's markets first. And mm-hmm, sure. Give me yeah. a little background. Well, we go back uh, quite a ways with uh, Veronica Foods. That's our supplier, a family-owned operation out of Oakland, California. Uh, pretty much their business, uh, you know, they've been in the olive oil business since 1924. Wow. So they've been around for quite some time, and they know their, they know their stuff. Uh, so uh, we kind of hooked up with them probably back in the late 60s, early 70s, so we've known them since... Uh, well, my teenage years, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother, uh, he went to college with Mike, and Mike married Veronica, okay. uh, the granddaughter of the original Veronica, who the company's named after. And uh, so uh, that's kind of how we got hooked up okay. with them. Mike married into that family, and and they uh, kind of continued on with the uh, Veronica Foods uh, Incorporation. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, that's kind of how it started, and you know they they had people open up these stores around the country, and they kept the uh, uh, you know, coming after us to try and open a store oh, and yeah. see how that would work. So we thought we'd give it a try. Yeah. Now you were working at you were you were selling the olive oils at the Fremont Market. Yeah, we did that for about three or four years, and oh, okay. you know, not too often, maybe maybe three times a year or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had quite a we had a good following actually for as little as we showed up. So uh, yeah. uh, it's a good product, and uh, people come back for it. Yeah. Um, when did you move into the Queen Anne shop? Uh, we've been there about uh, two years and three months, uh, late uh, ni- uh, late uh, 2012. Okay. We never want you to leave, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about the quality of the oils, because I think that's one of the big things, is that it's so different than what you might pick up at the grocery store. Yeah, quite different. You never know what you're going to pick up at the grocery store, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, you got pre- you got your pretty labels and, and neat names, but, you know, <clears throat> that's about as far as it goes with a lot of these olive oils. Um, yeah, so our olive oil, uh, you know, it's high quality uh, olive oil, premium quality. Mm-hmm. And um, this comes from, well, Veronica Foods. They set standards for their growers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the growers, you know, they, they're, they do pretty well uh, uh, by these standards. They're getting a okay. quality oil. They're mm-hmm. getting a better name. They're getting paid better. So it works out well for them. Mm-hmm. And it works out very well for us and Veronica Foods. Uh, high quality 
uh, very high antioxidant polyphenols, uh, a lot of vitamin E, just good quality oil. Ah. And uh, a lot of these oils do win competitions around the world. We have three from Spain now that just won a big uh, uh, competition oh, wow. yeah, with the uh, International Olive Oil Council. Uh, so um, you know, they do pretty well. And you're not going to find that at uh, too many stores. Yeah. Well, I don't think really unless you're at market or something in your pan. Way let's, more. Let's mm-hmm. give the listeners an idea of what it's like to walk in the door of the store. What are we going to see? What do we get to do as a as a as a customer coming in the door? What are we going to see? Well, as you walk in, uh, you're going to see uh, you're going to see stainless steel fusti uh, cans. These are uh, cans that hold all of our different oils, all of our different balsamics. So the idea is to come in, and we'll try and greet you at the door, let you know what's going on. But we want you to taste the product. That's probably the most important thing. And that's pretty much what hooks the customers uh, once they start tasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of high-quality oils and uh, very good balsamics from Odina, Italy. Uh, our oils are from uh, different uh, places around the world. We do have uh, Spain. Um, Australia. Australia, uh, Portugal. We may uh, get some from Greece and uh, Italy here pretty soon, I'm hoping. Oh, okay. Tunisia, um, Argentina. So we hop between hemispheres. That way you're... Um, your oils stay a little bit fresher. So yeah. how, how many different oils are down in the store right now? Oh, we probably have close to uh, 25, 30 oils and probably around 30 balsamics. So it's about 60 uh, total. So okay. there's quite a wide variety. And you also do truffle oils? We do have two truffle oils, yes, a black and white truffle oil. Uh, and those are from Italy as well. Okay. And uh, they're pretty good quality too, I might say. They slice the truffles up into tiny bits and... Steep them like a tea for, I don't know, I've heard two or three weeks. I'm not positive on that story, but Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) We're going with that. (laughs) Now, the other thing that we have always enjoyed about the oils and the vinegars is that they're so wonderful paired together. There's flavored, both flavored oils and vinegars. Mm -hmm. Fused and infused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, one of Tom's favorites is always to do the blood orange olive oil and the peach balsamic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just talk about a dressing for salad. It just pops. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different. Your daughter one day put two vinegars together, maple and grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, a few of those. You know, we yeah. do do that. Well, strawberry and chocolate, or oh yeah, oh yeah, that one's good. Chocolate and coconut. Or, I like that uh, that. Um, that spicy oil that you have. The well, we have uh, we have three spicy oils. There's the harissa, probably the, harissa, the mildest. Yeah. But then there's the uh, Blakuti green chili, which has a strong uh, flavor of uh, of a green chili, and it's got some heat to it. And then there's our cayenne, which has been improved, and it's a little more a little more heat uh, to it now too. I got a little bit of the harissa and then the chocolate balsamic, mm-hmm. and putting the two of those together was awesome. Oh yeah, that's a, a great pairing, and and the harissa alone is great over roasted vegetables too. Oh, I love it on yeah. roasted vegetables, and you know uh, we've had my daughter over with uh, some of their friends, and uh, their friends just love that. They just gobble that harissa uh, covered vegetables right up. It's just oh wow, yeah. Now, do you offer some recipes in the store, or do you just uh, chat with people and let them give them some ideas? Because sometimes I think people go in and they think, I don't know how I would do this. Mm-hmm. We do chat with people, and they with us. They give us recipes. But we, uh, we do have recipes up on, uh, uh, on the wall there that people can go through and, and look at. So oh, good. there are some recipes, yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because people come up with uh, – I brought somebody in one day, and she wanted to put um, – it was a one of the balsamics into 
like club soda or something, and that's what she was having her kids drink mm-hmm. instead of fruity, uh, sugary oh, drinks. Yeah. yeah, those are scrubs, I guess, uh, something like that. I, yeah. I think that's what they're called. I don't know, but because yeah. I, I hadn't even thought of that, and she mm-hmm. was all over that. Yeah, so. we've uh, we put them on ice cream. You know, we've added a we've had balsamics to pizza to sandwiches. Oh yeah, uh, to so many things. There's so many uses for it. Yeah, and it's a healthy thing too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. That's another thing you mentioned, the antioxidants and vitamin. There's a lot in mm-hmm. these oils that, that is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I say, a lot of antioxidants, some can be very high. We've had some as high as a 600, which is quite unheard of. Wow. Most will be in the high 300s, uh, low 400s. Those are uh, some pretty solid oils. Yeah. Uh, like I say, they're very healthy, good for the mind, good for the bones, good for the joints, good yeah. for the skin. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And the balsamics are good for the digestive, right? Yes, they are. They are uh, very good for the digestive. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good things going on in the store. Mm-hmm. Now, what about cooking with the oils? A lot of times we cook with the light olive oil because it has a higher heat point. Mm-hmm. Extra light. Extra light, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what extra light means. I've heard a few different things. You know, I've heard it means that, the, oh, the oil is light colored uh. or there's less fat in it or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, we just have extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. All olive oil, um, no matter what it is, is uh, going to have 120 calories. Uh, so I'm not really sure what in terms of light or extra light to well, the, really means. Myself. I, I don't know what the process is for making it, but I know that the burn rate is a lot higher, the mm-hmm. smoke point. Our oils handle some pretty high smoke points. I mean, I've, I've tested them with, a, with red meats and sautéing vegetables, and they work really well. Oh, okay. Minimal smoke, and, uh, you know, I just love olive oil. I mean, it just makes things taste better. It's so good. Mm-hmm. That is a good quality olive oil, extra virgin. And also, aren't they all organic? Not all are organic. Okay. We do have organics, and I was kind of hoping we could move a little more to uh, that mm-hmm. direction, but uh, it hasn't quite happened yet, so uh, uh, maybe eventually we'll get there. We do have a, an organic from Peru right now. That's pretty nice. I really like it. Yeah. And uh, we might have a few from Tunisia here. I'm hoping very soon, too. Uh, our customers do like organics also. Yeah. But, uh, it's the we'll Northwest. S- yeah, all right. And I, I'm just hoping we can uh, move that way eventually, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've sort of answered this question already. I was going to say, do you have all the same oils and vinegars all the time? But we know they change out frequently. Mm-hmm. Your your vinegars tend to be more consistent, I think. You they're can pretty, almost always yes, get. They're pretty consistent. And we, we, we've, we might have a little overkill almost going with it. There's so many. <laughs> there are so many. And we think, well, should we get some? You know, each one kind of gets its following. So you, you don't really want to. Uh, you know, Cut get rid off. of it. Yeah, really. Yeah. So we we try to keep those around. Oils can change a little bit too. Some of them are seasonal, like the cayenne or rosemary, mm-hmm. uh, the fused or infused ones. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but then uh, you know the um, the straight extra virgin olive oils they they change every six months anyway. Okay. So we hop between hemispheres. You have, uh, what, three different bottle sizes that people can purchase? Well, actually four. If you look four, at the, okay. the little uh, 60 milliliter, then the 200 milliliter, 375 I, and, and 750. What I learned is uh, if, if there is something that I like a lot and I get it in a small little bottle, then uh, I better go back and get a larger bottle if I want to be sure that I have it around for a while. Because like you say, they do change around, and I never have a problem finding something I like. It's all, you know, but it may be different the next time I go. That thing that I got before may not be there, and I'll just have to go tasting through the shop and see what else is next. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. You know, we some oils can be quite a bit alike, and we're pretty lucky that way. I mean, yeah. somebody might like a, a, a Lacino, which is an Italian olive, uh, you know, from mm-hmm. Italy. From Italy. Uh, 
from the northern uh, harvest, northern hemisphere harvest. But uh, you might get something, um, maybe a nice uh, uh, arbasana or something from mm-hmm. uh, down under that uh, you know yeah. tastes quite a bit like. So we can always kind of match up and yeah. and keep things uh, that uh, people do like. And I do like the distinct differences too. I mean, I think. Usually, not mm-hmm. always, but usually I can tell when something's from Australia because I had been down there and tasted them, and I'd never had anything like that. It was long before you moved into the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and just incredible. When I taste it again, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Australia's kind of raised the bar a little bit, too, so uh, everybody's kind of, you know, had to kind of jump on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And that's where they actually pick, um, pick some me um, olives off the tree, and they will have them analyzed at a lab in Australia. Oh. And this is an independent lab, uh, and it's probably the uh, top lab in the world for this. So they analyze uh, uh, different things uh, with the uh, olives, such as free fatty acids, oleic acids, oh, wow. polyphenols, um, diacyglycerides. So they do a, a lot of analytical things, and they kind of decide uh, 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 from those uh, from that uh, analyzing that that uh, when to pick, uh, what's oh, the right time to pick, okay. uh, and, you know, at the height of. Uh, Flavor Nutritional and... value or okay. flavor, yeah, just uh, yeah. That's so, amazing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's growing up a bit, and so Europe is you know catching up on that little bandwagon. Yeah. So, so uh, there that's was the, the way it's going. There was the scare about the Italian olive oil going to be in short supply, that sort of thing. How did you guys work around that? And and now you're saying that you're looking at getting some Italian oil in now. I'm sure hoping that happens. Uh, maybe in uh, one to two weeks, I've been told, and. Uh, we're getting Spain, but you know Spain's so huge they're going to have oil. But uh, Italy, uh, I believe they lost seventy percent of their uh, crop this uh, in 2014. Oh, wow. So it's kind of tough. But we're going to come. I think we're going to come up with something here, maybe in a week or two. So we do hope that happens. And maybe Greece also. We'd like to get something from Greece. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be great. There's so many great olive oils. I mean, I've I've heard from customers that Croatia uh, really has great olive oil. Oh. Mm. Turkey, uh, obviously, uh, another. Yeah. Uh, great country for uh, olive oil so we'll see i hope it happens very soon yeah and the veronica foods people actually built a processing plant in tunisia didn't they yes they have their own uh, mill uh, there yeah so uh, uh they, a little uh, more control yeah and that's where we get some of our our um our uh, organics from the chamali okay. and uh, uh, shatui so they're really fine oils really tasty yeah and i'm hoping uh, that's what we get very soon <laughs> yeah that would be nice that would be great um, besides the oils and vinegars and the truffle oils, you have a few other products that you sell in the store as well. Uh, yes, and actually, we just brought those in. You know, we had some uh, we had some pastas, and we thought, well, why have pasta? No, no pasta sauce. It's yeah. <laughs> kind of redundant. <laughs> so uh, we thought, well, let's bring in some more products. So we brought in quite a few pastas, really, and some of them are pretty neat. We have mm-hmm. a uh, we have a spinach pasta shaped in uh, like a little olive leaves, which is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. And um, and a lot of ones that I think children really might like and enjoy. It's kind of a thick pasta. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, it, it's from Italy, so there's no GMOs also. We kind of oh, like okay. lean that way a little bit. Uh, but um, Italy just has such great pastas as compared to the U.S. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to make any any pasta dish taste better. And you, for a while at least, you were carrying some salts too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. And we still are. Still? We have okay. a, yeah, we actually have quite a few salts. Uh, so, um, yeah, a lot of interesting salts, some Jacob, Jacobson salts and... Uh, uh, quite a few others that uh, uh, fennel salt, I believe, uh, and uh, uh, this salt stack that has uh, six different types of salts in it. That's, oh, that's uh, fun! A really nice deal, I think. Yeah, that uh, people can buy uh, and then test it out. And test it out. It's a, yeah, it's kind of a neat product. I really like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, before I let you go, let's talk about the hours you're open so people know when they can find you. Okay. Well, we're open uh, seven days a week, um, Monday through Saturday, 11 to 7, and on Sunday, 11 to 6. Okay. So pretty much any time people can stroll by and stop in and just immediately start tasting. And what I would suggest, too, and I'm sure you always do with people, is to Start mixing them there. Mm-hmm. You know, take mm-hmm. a olive oil you find that you like and go find a vinegar and see what you think of that. And yeah, there's so many great com- combinations, as Tom said. So, uh, you know, we I, my favorite is the basil with the grapefruit. But I also yeah. really like the uh, uh, red apple with uh, the walnut as oh, delicious yeah. also. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's a, yeah, there's so many great combinations that uh, every day it's like there's uh, something new that we come up with. Yeah. There's an oregano. I guess that's. I'm trying to remember if that was an oil or a vinegar. That was a balsamic. A balsamic. Mm. That was killer. Mm-hmm. I like oregano, but this was strong, and it was just delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm out of it now. I have to come back. Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Larry, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you bet. Thank you, uh, Seattle Dining, uh, for having us. Uh, thank you. you. Thanks bet. for having a great shop down, down okay. there. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, I'm Josh from Capitol Hill. I can't make up my mind what my favorite place is yet. We're back again. Thanks to our guests today for coming in and doing these interviews with us. Always appreciated. Always a chance for our listeners to learn a little bit more about dining around Seattle and making food at home and whatever whatever way you eat. Uh, this is the uh, copyrighted section of our show. It's called the getaway section. And um, I don't know what the copyright looks like that. Looks like on that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. and you know, there's a lot of people trying to rip this off from us. So yeah, yeah. So um, Connie and I always take an adventure somewhere, and uh, this past month we went down to the Portland area and uh, started our our little rampage off at the Oregon Garden Resort, which was a really cool place. It's uh, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 acres of uh, gardens started oh. up by a nursery group. I think it's 80 acres. 80 acres, it's huh? It's huge. Wow. It was That's 11 big. acres for the resort. Oh, okay. So uh, so you can walk the grounds and there's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I thought, well, this place must have been here for years. But turns out it, it's, it's fairly recently built, like after 2000. So uh, if you think you might have been there, but it was years ago with your parents or something, no, you haven't been there. The, uh, I'm not sure how long the garden has been in there, but the resort, I believe, was 2008. Yeah, I think the gardens were started up in around 2001. And open to the public in like 2003, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that's a beautiful place. Highly recommended. It's just outside, or it's actually right in Silverton, which is southeast of Portland. One of my favorite little cities because they have one of my favorite restaurants there called the Silver Grill. And uh, we did enjoy a dinner there one night. We enjoyed a dinner up at the resort one night. 
and uh, just had a lovely time. Also, if you're into architecture, there is a Frank Lloyd Wright house on the, on the property that was moved from further up, closer to Portland. But uh, that area got redone, so they they took the house and put it on a truck and brought it down. And you can see a nice Frank Lloyd Wright Usonian-style house right there when you're at the resort. Now tell them your claim to fame about these Usonian-style houses. So when I was a kid, I lived in Pasadena, and uh, my brother was an architect, and he got the privilege of staying in the first Usonian house that Frank Lloyd Wright ever designed. And this house that's down at the resort that we went to is the last Usonian house that was built. So I've been in the first and the last Usonian. I think that's a, an excellent claim to fame. So, uh, so then we, we did our couple of days there, and then we kind of cruised up the road and went to the Jupiter Hotel in uh, downtown Portland on Burnside. We dined at Clark Lewis Restaurant. Which I personally, it was excessively loud, but I will tell you that's the best halibut I've had in quite a while. Yeah, it was really halibut. good. And it was, it was halibut seasons, which had just happened. It so was just fresh. And it was awesome. Um, and, and like so many restaurants, yes, it was loud. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual in that way. We uh, we went to the Japanese garden. We went to the Chinese garden, and uh, pretty nice nice uh, places. Both of them. The uh, the Chinese garden has a nice little tea house inside, and there was people taking tea in there and having little little snacks. The Japanese garden also has a place for tea ceremonies and things, but it wasn't open when we were there. I think it's they wait for a little bit nicer weather. And I don't know that it's as much of a snacky place. It's more like what, either watching or being involved in the tea ceremony. Yeah, yeah. And then we went up uh, uh, up outside to the west to the Pitduck Mansion there and uh, cruised around and had a tour of the mansion and uh, got to see all the different rooms. Can't go on the very top where the servants used to live because the uh, – it's it just – I don't know. The it's stairway not- was – Stairway is too narrow, huh? I think it was narrow, and it might not have been the same height, uh, so people trip a lot Mm because it's not a standard height step or something. So uh, The other thing that I found interesting, and I I would suggest if you go there, do take a tour. I've been there before, and I really enjoyed it, but this was an eye-opener with all this talk. One of the things that I liked, because, of course, we're Seattle Dining, is that we went through the kitchen, and the original floor, which they've put back as close to possible, is actually rubber. All those years ago, they knew that if people were going to stand around a lot, it would be best to have a rubber floor. Yeah, and that mansion has quite a few innovations in it that were very... Well, I don't even see people putting rubber floors in their house now, but I know I'd rather have a rubber floor than that linoleum stuff I have. And they had um, phone systems, internal phones. They looked like a phone, and you could pick up and dial a number and get somebody in another part of the house. And they had strings in the shower. This is like a retirement home now. They had a string in the shower because the wife, by the time the house was done and she moved in, she'd had a stroke and she was in a wheelchair. And in every bathroom there was a string. So if she had gotten into the tub and couldn't get out, she could pull a string and it would alert somebody that she needed help. Yeah. And they had Wi-Fi and – oh, no, they didn't. 
<laughs> they might have. They, I think they just looked that yeah, out. I think Wi-Fi was invented there in like 1925 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. They were a, a, an impressive group yeah. of people. So, uh, so that was a, a fun little trip. I would say going back to the Oregon Garden Resort, too, if you're looking for a deal, go out onto their website. They also use places like um, Travel Zoo. Uh, but also on their website, they have deals. And we met a couple in the hot tub who said that they come, they live in Salem, which is like 15 minutes away. They come every season because the gardens are so beautiful in every season. And they can get an overnight for $99. That's their room, dinner for two with a bottle of wine and the buffet breakfast for $99. Wow. So, you know, if you want to get away and, and you're thinking, I don't have a ton of money, check out that because it was really quite a nice place and they've got some steel of deals. And we also just returned again from Vancouver. We love Vancouver. And I uh, had a nice little trip up there. You can read about it uh, in the May issue. We stayed at the Fairmont Waterfront, which is right across the street from Canada Place. And that's another thing. We walked over to Canada Place and saw the Fly Over Canada movie. And that's one of those uh, interactive things where it's almost like you're on a roller coaster, your chair moves, and and you're flying above everything. It was really impressive. Yeah, if you have a fear of heights, it's uh, it's a little bit spooky. I had to keep lifting my feet because I thought I was going to hit the, the cattle down below. And... Yeah, he almost got a cowboy on a horse. It was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and we had dinner at the Ark restaurant there, and that was really good. Some really uh, interesting uh, cocktail concoctions that they had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some pastrami sliders that we enjoyed. They, they, um, what do you do with brine? They brine the meat for three weeks. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. It was amazing. It was incredibly tender and, and tasty. And, and they said it was uh, like a tartar, but um, because it had been brined so much and all, you really couldn't tell that it, quote, hadn't been cooked so much. But, uh, but it was very good. And they, they served it with pickles that they uh, pickle on site. They do everything local and, and handcrafted. They've got uh, bees living up on the uh, rooftop, and they get honey from their bees up there. And Last year, they had over 600 pounds of honey from the rooftop. Wow. From, I didn't just have four of those uh, bee condos up there. They got 600 pounds out of that. Wow. Five, they've got five up there, and they have 500,000 bees that visit them during the summer. Wow. And now they've started – they've added mason bees, which are not honey bees, but they are pollinators – and they've got a 2,400-square-foot organic garden up on that same roof. Yeah. So they pollinate all that. And, and when we say it's up on the roof, it's actually up on about the third floor where the swimming pool area is. So if you're in a room on like the 10th floor, you can look down and you can see all this garden activity going on. Yeah. It's really, it's really impressive. And actually, Fairmont is pretty impressive. They have a sustainable program company-wide. And... There are 20 properties around the world with bees and another eight that are bee apiaries or something or pollinating. No, they're pollinating where they have the mason bees. Um, and, and the other really amazing thing about this is that that particular hotel has said that they're going to a 90% no-waste diversion. So they even the used soaps, used linens go to shelters. They have a 
trash compactor that's so effective that they don't have to have the garbage company come very often. So it saves on emissions, and it, they look at everything, and they're at 85% of their goal right now. Yeah. It was, it was an impressive place. Yeah. All righty. I think we're about to wrap it up here. We are. Huh? It's time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the show again. If you're not already a sus- subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We want you to dine well, dine safe, and dine often. And don't cook like Tom's mother. And don't cook like my mother. See you next month. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show